0: Welcome to Marison Miller's new flagship, Let's Talk Pensions podcast, featuring conversations with experts on pension planning and management. We discuss the state of pensions, why the environment is changing, and the crucial thinking around generational equality. We also discuss topics such as leadership, the will to manage, and taking a business-minded approach to pensions. Let's Talk Pensions podcast is a Maris and Miller Open Pension initiative. And now on to our guest. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Talk Pensions podcast. In this episode, we welcome back Catherine Miller, Catherine and I took a look back at the year, where the state of pensions were, where we predicted they needed to go, and if we have started to see those changes now that 2019 is coming to a close. And for those of you who didn't catch episode number one with Catherine, which if you haven't should definitely go back and listen to, here is a brief introduction to her again. Catherine Miller is the managing partner of Marison Miller, a firm that brings transformational and democratic leadership to pension planning and strategy. Catherine suggests that there is a need to recognize pensions role in the overarching way our businesses and our global economy are run. Through the firm's visionary work in this field, Catherine provides clarity on some of the most complex issues of the day. While pension plans in some of the world's largest companies are failing, Marison Miller looks at how to build transparency and accountability into every level of pension management. Catherine believes that leadership is the pathway to the new way of looking at pensions. Hi, Catherine. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. Glad to be back, William. So today I wanted to start off with um, what were and probably still are in many ways, the major factors that have put pensions at risk in the past?
1: Well, I believe, um, first of all, the 10 years ago, the financial crisis in 2008, um, we're still feeling some of the effects. And for at least some plan, um, the chronic underfunding along the chronic underfunding along with the aging population, baby boomers. Um, that has thrown the whole system into crisis. I think this is the topic that everybody started paying attention to is the inconsistent and at times, lax governance practices of certain plans. Not saying that people are not doing a good job, but how can we systematically apply and build a process based on what we know and uh, what, what has worked. And I believe currently companies and organizations have faced several challenges, partially because the pension environment are changing. There are new regulations, new pension settlements. Um, the, there are pension mergers uh, has been happening. Also because the obstacles that the boards and the pension committees are facing. Um, it, the current there is current research called it and. A symmetry of knowledge in a sense we sometimes do not truly understand we never have perfect knowledge we never truly understood the risks that we're facing just give you an example in 2008 before the market crash um, the collateral debt obligation CDOs had a triple a rating by Moody's and Standard & few Office, advisors, security bro- brokers, truly understood the risks behind it. Um, and another example, which are both, uh, bo- both household names are in the news, so there's General Electric and General Motors. And for General Electric, as in our paper has mentioned, at the beginning of the year, GE had the largest pension deficit. Among Standard and Poor 500 companies, and that deficit is $11 billion worse than the next closest company. And actually, just as yesterday, which is October 7th, Wall Street Journal had an article reported that GE was freezing its pension plan for about 20,000 U.S. workers and offering pension pay- payouts to replace a guaranteed retirement. So. the the crisis not only affecting business, as we see in the recent Sears uh, bankruptcy, but it directly affects the society and everybody's lives. And we should remember that today, we're looking at this shortfall, but GE once had a surplus of $14.6 billion in 2001. So in our paper, we actually offered a brief discussion of how and why this has happened. Um, And we really encourage the industry to look at it, to to understand what has caused such deficit and such change, why it failed. Um, And so we go to the second case, the General Motors, GM, between 2008 and 2009. GM received a bailout from the government of close to $20 billion, this is in the U.S. Um, Yet the company still filed for bankruptcy and received another $30 billion in government funding. Um, The the company actually contributed $1.6 billion to pre-fund its non-U.S. pension plans, and this included the pension plans in the Canadian division. The Canada Pension Plan, the Canadian Pension Plan, of GM were fully funded, but at the same time, the company closed its Canadian plants. So, although the pension industry's best and brightest advisors—these are, the, you know, the actuaries, investment experts, lawyers, accountants—we all had created a plan that was regulatory and financially sound, but we couldn't keep the business operationally sound. So there are really two major factors we need to look at for any plans, any fiduciaries to make the judgment call not to not only have a good pension plan, but also have a successful business while managing this imperfect knowledge, the symmetry of knowledge. And these two major factors are one governance and two leadership. As in our firm at Maris Miller, we always say we only succeed if and only if our clients' business succeed. Because when there is no business, there's no pension plus.
0: That's a very good point. <laughs> one has to be there in order to support the other. Well, that leads me to my next question. Um, Because in the paper, it said that the risks that were evident in pension planning in the past were connected to the fact that there were so many what we quoted as loopholes in corporate and organizational policy frameworks for the pension market. Could you expand on what those loopholes were? (laughs) Personally, I don't like to use the word loopholes
1: because okay. we tend to make, just make new rules to fix loopholes and new rules add complexity. We, what we do need is clarity. I think when we say loopholes, we mean the misunderstanding or not understanding what we do and why we do what we do. So we need clarity in what we do and why we do what we do, knowing what has worked, what doesn't, and make future plans and have a follow-up and feedback system for that continuous learning. So if we say it is a symmetry of knowledge, how do we make judgment calls without the perfect knowledge? And as my answer in the first question, we need both good governance and leadership. But what that does mean, first of all, there are great gaps in both. That's why we see such variation in pension fund performance and ultimately in business performance. So how frequently do organizations conduct governance self-assessment kind of ask themselves the questions of why why we do what we do or what how are we doing. In 2018, the US public pension governance, uh, there, there was a US public pension governance survey, and the vast majority of the organizations actually said that they conduct governance self-assessments either infrequently or not at all. So as pension advisors, we help our clients and their members and stakeholders get clarity to understand their jobs. To understand that, either as advisors, trustees, board members, we need to break down the decision process into simple and small steps, and we ask five key questions to each one. Uh, Question number one what is our structure? So this is the question that we'd ask our client, what is your structure? Um, What is your policies? What are our policies, procedures? What are our roles and responsibilities? What what is our membership eligibility? And what are our plan terms? Um, When it comes to pension committees, what are our committee structure? Number two, the question number two, What is our organizational culture? What are our rules and norms? Do we have a culture of collaboration? Who do we collaborate with? And do our people trust our work, trust our process? And do we have a communication, open communication to deliver the message, to communicate our culture? The third question is what are our responsibilities? Uh, What is the mission? What's our planning process? Our human resources? How do we evaluate performance and monitor the performance? How can we have accountability of all parties? And this comes from both the advisors and the client. And how do we represent ourselves to the community? And um, How do we truly understand risk, the risk management process? And question number four, What is our process? How do we develop and educate either our board, our pension committees, our members, anyone that has a duty of care? And what is our management process when it comes to pension management? And the last question, question number five, which is probably the most important question. Who are our people? Who are our employees? Who are our current employees and future employees? Um, What kind of talent do we want to attract? Who are our stakeholders, our shareholders? Who are our customers? And who are our business managers, who are our day-to-day management, the people who handle our day-to-day management? So by asking these five questions, what is our structure? What is our organizational culture? What are our responsibilities? What is our process? And who are our people? We can start build clear action plans with a system for follow-up and feedback. And it's just not just words on paper. Um, Mark Goider, Uh, who's the founder of Tomorrow's Company, once said about the importance of of governance and leadership, that if you have governance without leadership, you risk atrophy, bureaucracy, and indifference. But without governance, you risk tyranny, fraud, and personal fiefdoms.
0: So do you think it's fair to say that Instead of using the word loopholes, we could say they're blind spots without asking the questions oh, that you absolutely shared.
1: I think that's a great point. um I think blind spots and we need to understand human biases mm. um, you know there are research that each uh, all pension plans have great teams, yet there are such variation in performances. So there, there need to be clarity, and we need to understand the human factor that's managing pension plans. And to understand that and actually to improve the performance, we need a proper uh, process. Because, for example, pension committees, they always have new members coming in, and they have members leaving. Even the board members, um, there are long-term board members who sit on the pension committee, but these people change too. So when we bring in new people, what kind of procedures can they follow? What's the most efficient way to help, um, help the business or organization build the most effective, impactful board or team for their pension work?
0: Do you think the human factor has been mostly overlooked in the past?
1: I won't. I, I'm not sure if overlooked um, is the best. Yes, I, I think, actually, I think it is overlooked in the sense we have not had um, a process to review and help the company manage it. Um, I, I think it's about building into an efficient way. You know, Brienne, everybody's busy. Our, For example, our clients, they're busy CFOs, financial directors, the human resource. They have plenty on their plate in their day-to-day business operation. They genuinely do want um, an effective way to manage their pension so they can tell their employees, they can see how they take good care of their employees' future. However, there are only so, much, so many hours in a day. So how can we, as the expert or as the advisors in the field, to help our client quickly gather the information, break it down into bite size that they can spend a couple hours a month to make a good judgment call? that it's not about becoming the expert that, you know, we expect our clients to know the, the nitty gritty of pension laws or how actual evaluation work. It's about someone who have a basic understanding of law, money and people, but with a good government structure, they can, they have a good tool to make that decision. And I think that's the most important piece that's missing is that simple tool that we can present, that works, that produce consistent results.
0: Right. So they, don't, they didn't necessarily know how in the past to put all these factors together to create a sustainable plan.
1: That's right. I think the how-to tools, the, the client tools, that easily, can be easily implemented, that has a clear framework, um, and it's not extremely time-consuming. And, uh, with, uh, and also the clients need a way to be able to evaluate the results. They need to see by the end of the day, have the action worked? What result did they get? And what didn't work and how can they move forward? What can they do with the next step?
0: Thank you. At the beginning of the year, we looked forward to three major trends that could help move the pension agenda forward. Um, Can you give us a brief rundown of the three major trends, which we listed as ownership, sustainability, and simplicity?
1: Yes, of course. That's a great question. Um, For ownership, we asked who has and who should have the ownership of the pension. Is the company or the employee the owner of the fund? By ownership we also mean the duty of care. In the past there is uh, a asymmetrical relationship that the employers are solely responsible for the pension plan for the employees where the employees had zero responsibility in return. And with more joint government governed plans that we see today are being established or merged or built and people start to understand how these plans work, we are introducing a balance to this relationship that both the employers and the employees have a duty of care to the pension fund. And for sustainability, the question is how to create sustainable returns and how to alleviate our impact on the environment. What is good governance? Why does it matter? How much knowledge is necessary when it comes to the duty of management? And these are the questions we need to address. We are seeing some conversations around it, but I think there should be more. Um, For simplicity, when they teach legal writing in law school, rule number one is to use plain language write shorter sentences, and keep it simple. To manage anything well, we need to understand it first. For example, at uh, Marys Miller, we built simple tools that help our clients break down information in bite size and communicate it in plain language. The information is only useful when the managers can absorb it easily, and feel empowered and confident to use that knowledge to make the judgment call.
0: Taking those three major trends into account, what does radical transparency mean, and why is it important to shift into those trends and a new paradigm in the pension world? To put it uh, simply, and
1: I, I believe it's about keeping things simple and understandable with a clear understanding of what we know, what we don't know, and how to prepare for the unknowns. Because we will never have the perfect knowledge. Um, We conduct workshops for our clients, for example, um, mostly for the boards and pension committees. And we start with very basic knowledge of law, money, and people around pension management. After that, we follow, follow that by a day-to-day management framework that's easy to follow. When the management see a map of what's, what they can expect, what may happen, and how to react to it, or how to, what to do when certain events happen, suddenly you, you lift that cloud. You, you, you shine the light on what they need to know, and they feel more comfortable going forward because they have a proper plan in place. They don't have to worry about walking into the dark and trying to figure out how to turn on the light. And for example, another example is our self-assessment meeting only takes no more than 30 minutes to complete because people are busy and we need to allocate our time wisely and focus on what creates real value. So it's, um, it's about prioritizing, um, in a sense, what should we put our focus on this next year or within the next three years. And when you fully understand the information, you will be more willing to take the time to make decisions. When you show confidence, your employees will be happy with your decisions and that's what we found with our clients sometimes they take a simple phone call a 5 minute explanation all of a sudden it's it's enough for them to feel confident to make a decision and to communicate that to their employees instead of constantly putting putting down what's important and trying to do just what's urgent
0: so it sounds like then the the right knowledge is is power and gives employers and the business managers who are making the decisions, the confidence, which then trickles down to the employees. Yes, that's a
1: great point.
0: What are some or were some of the old rules and beliefs around pensions that, that you'd say don't work anymore? I would say just
1: meeting the minimum requirements of law or rules um, or guidelines. Is not enough and managing a good and it's about going beyond meeting these minimum requirements we all comply to the rules and laws um, in the pension law or accounting law actuarial funding rules guidelines and the investment policies but, but the performance of each fund varies so greatly So just because a plan is regulatory sound, as we've seen in GE and Sears, these plans didn't break the law. It doesn't mean that we have a well-managed pension. And just because the employers listen to the actuaries and met the minimum funding requirements, doesn't mean the plan is financially sound and is sustainable for future benefits as we have seen in some of the chronic underfunded pension plans.
0: Well, our paper asked three questions to help move us forward. And um, maybe you could speak to if they, if you think they would, would have helped GE and Sears move forward in their respective situations, but they were, why do you have a pension for your employees, what results do you want to get, and how do you know you will get the results you want?
1: I think these are great questions. Um, It's going to go beyond, I think, our time in the podcast to to discover. And I think we can do do more. In a sense, these are the questions that should serve at the background of our day-to-day action. And when it comes to managing a billion-dollar company, we have had clients in the past who um, had a, it was a national communication firm, and it was a billion-dollar client. The business eventually was bankrupt. Um, but it was actually one of our Better clients, when it comes to managing pensions, the boards were very involved, involved. We were constantly having a conversation with the CFO of how the plan is doing. And we had a very good and close relationship. And the plan was very well-funded. But I think there was a disconnection of why do we have a pension plan? And you know, like you said, what result do we want to get? For example, when we talk about a GM, when the when GM put in 1.6 billion dollar into their pension fund to um, fully fund their non-US pensions, would there be a possibility that if the company has used that 1.6 billion dollars and invested back into its business? would it make a difference? Um, And in the past, when GM was in the verge of bankruptcy and a pension was in a huge deficit due to several years of poor management, instead of forcing the pension plan to put billions and billions of dollars to keep up with the unfunded deficits, could there have been a better way, a more flexible way, a way, more a way to look at the pension holistically into the overall performance of the business. So instead of seeing the two as silos, you know, here's pension, is underperforming, and the business isn't doing so well neither, but you need to put billions in your pensions. It's a more long-term, sustainable way to look at both and to come up with a more holistic approach to fund the pension plan based on the company's business success. Because I believe in that way, both the employers and the employees would have a common interest, a common purpose, not only to have a good pension plan that have enough money to pay for everybody's guaranteed retirement, but also to have a sustainable, successful business in the long term. Because uh, once again, I will re- reiterate. As we said, these these employees, when GM closed their plans, their pension there will be no more pension service accruals because they're no longer working for the company. So everybody loses in this situation. Um, I think, so we, when we ask what results do you want to get? What, why do you want to have a pension for your employees and how do you know you will get the results you want? We need to look at pension in the context of a business. This is a business operation. Business are putting in operation money, their revenue, their business revenues, or their companies who go into debt, they have to borrow to fund their, their pension. Is that a good business decision? And I think if we bring these questions into light, we can start looking at pensions more as making sense for business. Because it, we are asking business and operations. This is part of a, some pension plan um, is almost larger than the some business, the largest business division.
0: So looking ahead then to 2020, What are the key things we need to either focus on and or continue to focus on so that we can make strides in the industry? What do you think those are? Um, I think it's be be knowledgeable and beware of human
1: errors and biases. We need to remember that we work with people, not numbers, not computer systems. And we need to constantly ask questions that keep us grounded to see beyond our technical work to um, the people and the business that we are working with and our work has an impact on, and I think i will I think we are um, almost reaching the end of our time, so I will end with an example that have I read about recently. Um, There are some numbers in it, so you may want to bring out a piece of paper and a pen. Um, In 2001, the state of Wisconsin Investment Board, SWIB, uh, made a clerical error. It was a very simple decimal error. Probably you and I have made in our grade six math all the time. Um, The board told the pension plan administrator in an email that the plan's all stock return was a negative 0.089%, when actually it was negative 8.9%. Wow. So the decimal point was put in the wrong spot when it was emailed. This error, so what's, what's the consequence? This error has cost the pension approximately $4.5 million during a payout to the Milwaukee Public Schools Retirement Plan. It was a supplemental early retirement, um, re- early retirement plan.
0: Hmm.
1: So what's the lesson learned here? Uh, if you work in the field for a decade or two, um, as I did, you may have a gut feeling that the numbers just doesn't look right. There are too many decimals, or the return just isn't consistent. That you would probably ask a question, just email back and say, "Hey, um, just want to confirm, is this zero point zero eight nine percent or eight point nine percent?" I actually had sent a similar email to a to a client just because that the number didn't look right, and it, it, uh, just to confirm the rate. And with the double-checking, such mistakes can be easily avoided. So in a risk management context, we define such mistakes as operational risk, which is the, you know, such mistakes made by people or systems. And in the governance process, so what can we do to prevent such mistakes? Um, I believe few people actually heard about this mistake, but it happens all the time. So in governance process, instead of just saying, you know, on a word on paper, we need to fulfill fiduciary duties and the definition of fiduciary duties, we should have a simple record or a note that has a check mark. Did we check data and information provided for reasonableness and consistency? And give a simple example what that means. Did you check? Does the decimal make work? Be careful when you see percentages. Is it 0.089 or 0.089%? Which is a very which is a million dollar error uh, with two a simple dot moved around. So when you see something that just doesn't look right, trust the gut feeling and just Ask. there is a process to follow up there should be a process to follow up and it's such simple mistakes can be easily avoided but has such big impact on so in in, in the sense in conclusion we need to believe our judgment as consultants trustees business managers day-to-day um, uh, day-to-day analysts and plan members too I think The duty of care, as we talked before, need to be balanced, need to come from both parties. So, for example, at Maris Miller, our work's value depends on our clients and their members' comfort and confidence in their understanding of what will happen and what they should do about it.
0: So I know we're coming to the end of our time, but I wonder if I could just ask a follow-up question to that. It seems like the trend in the past, and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I think maybe because of the lack of understanding around numbers and financial things and pensions, people tended to kind of ignore stuff. Um, especially when it came to their pensions, you know, it was like out of sight, out of mind, it's all taken care of. But it sounds like everybody involved really needs to pay attention to the details and pay attention to what's going on because those small mistakes can add up to big risk, like you said.
1: Absolutely. That's absolutely. And there are simple ways. um, I believe with I mean, everything is evolving. Our society is evolving, the global economy is evolving, and we will never know what's going to happen next. But the most important thing is how can we prepare for the unknown? And it's not about try and wait until we find the perfect information. It's in our day-to-day actions, in our day-to-day collaboration, and really put common sense in everything we do um that comes down to uh, as you said you know just explain things in a simple language or really communicate what matters and ask the question what's the impact of what we're doing today and what we do not know what could possibly happen and really keep everybody accountable for um, the actions and have a system because just like you said when we're so busy in our day-to-day we're more you know uh, Putting out fires than doing what's important. We're put doing what's urgent uh, instead of looking at the long term and that's that's, that's that, that that happens to everybody uh, in business in our you know environment what we're doing as human beings to the environment so in in a, in a sense we We need to recognize that, and we need to have a way to simply solve these problems one small step
0: at a time. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Catherine, and thank you so much for joining us on the show again. We appreciate you taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me again. You've been listening to the Let's Talk Pensions podcast, a Marison Miller Open Pension Initiative, To learn more about our firm and to listen to more episodes, please visit our website at www.marismiller.com.